about to tell you sounds crazy. It's a new day, people. Destiny call. 30 seconds to drop. Come find me when you wake up. What day is it? Judgment day. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And this time in an event that we will call ironic or perhaps moronic. Or um, prophetic. Moronic. Could be, yes. Uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. In recording an episode about a book and a movie and a graphic novel about a character who keeps time looping and learning different things through the loops, we managed to have to go back and re-record the introduction because somebody, and he will remain unnamed, but he's sitting in my chair, didn't notice his microphone wasn't plugged in. <laughs> so we had to go back and time loop the introduction. So here we are. And the book we're talking about this time is All You Need Is Kill by Hiroshi Sakurazaka from 2004, I think. 2004. Yes. And the movie we're going to be talking about is Edge of Tomorrow, which is currently in theaters and starring Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And we're also going to talk at least a little bit about the graphic novel adaptation of it that we all read. Honorable mention. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and also, since we're here, we're going to pick up something that we forgot to actually record when we did our other session. So so listen for that at the end, because I'm sure we sound slightly different. So without further ado, I think we will send it over to our past selves now to talk about the book. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the book. I actually purchased a paperback version of it that actually has the Edge of Tomorrow branding on it and Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt and their bland movie poster kind of thing going on. So that's how, <laughs> that's how the book is The Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, awesome. yeah, it says Edge of Tomorrow previously published as All You Need Is Kill. So right. Better um, published as All You Need Is Kill. So the novel was originally published in Japanese. Yep. And it was called All You Need Is Kill, which is awesome. Um, Wouldn't it be like All You Need Is Kill? Yes. And Actually, the title on the Wikipedia article is in katakana, which is kind of the kind of script that's used to translate other languages or imported words into Japanese. Um, for instance, right. we're sitting around a table. Yep. Not a table. Hmm. So, and we came in through a doa. Um, but, like, you know, your name would be James. Right? Yeah. I'm Sesse. Sure. And you would be Corinne. Yeah. Yours is pretty easy. Yeah. I know Itali Italians like that. They oh, really? They, they, they never used to have a K in their uh, alphabet until keyboards came about oh awesome like for computers so it was eventually translated into english in 2010 i think colin you said 2010 yeah and uh, the original version of it looks like it was pretty awesome but since i don't read japanese uh, yeah it'd be cool to see the original il illustrations it would yeah and that that's what i would like to see because like the on the version that james and i got from the library and i think mm -hmm. you ended up reading that version too or did you borrow this one uh, this was the first version i read was okay. this movie tie-in paperback okay right um, that version had some stuff in it. Did it? I mean, yeah. it, it had like some like flowchart sort of looking things in it, yeah. and this one does too. But the the front cover kind of g gave you a look at what the jacket looked like, mm -hmm. which looked pretty awesome. Yeah, and didn't look so awesome in the movie. The front cover is kind of how I pictured it throughout the book. Yeah, so, that's yeah. kind of what I went with yeah. too. So yeah, I would have liked to have seen some of that art and some of it. I think that the style of it was in the graphic novel that we also read. Mm -hmm. Right. So, obviously, we're going to be spoiling pretty much everything. So, if you haven't seen the movie, I don't know why you chose to download this podcast and listen to it. Because um, they're awesome. You're awesome for downloading this podcast and listening to it. Because the podcast is awesome. That's what you're saying. Well, of course. Okay. okay. And the listeners are awesome, too. Well, naturally. All of our listeners <laughs> are awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're awesome, Emily. 
one of the things that we want to do with this podcast is get people to read the books that movies are based on that we talk about. Right. And unfortunately, we're, there's no way that we can talk about both of them without really spoiling differences between the movie and the book. So I'm going to give my recommendation that you do go ahead and read the book. It's a quick read. Yeah. Um, I th- this version that I have here, the movie tie-in version, is a very small paperback. Um, you know, it's it's less than 300 pages, and they're they're very narrow pages, which I thought was annoying. <laughs> um, whereas the trade paperback version that James and I read uh, was it was maybe 30, 40 pages shorter, but mm-hmm. with nice, relaxing sized pages. Mm-hmm. Right. Not so many page turns. So. But yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Um, so why don't we just go around and kind of talk about what we thought of the book? Of the book. Yeah. Okay. James, you want to talk about sure. it? Sure. Um, I thought the book was awesome. Yeah. Minus the uh, constant F-bombing. Well, actually, that seemed well, only... <laughs> you're one to complain about profanity. Right, yes. <laughs> there must have been a lot of it bothered you. It was quite a bit. Like every other word for like the first chapter. But after that, I, I felt like it died off. It died off to military standards, which I was, I'm okay with mil-spec cursing. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. It, it is definitely, language. the language is definitely on the salty side. Right. Uh, and like I wanted my son to read the book. Right. Because I didn't really, I, I remember there was some language in it. And then when I'm back and read it, and I'm like, oh, no. Well, but you asked me as we were right. going down to uh, watch Jurassic Park at OMSI. You said, well, how would you rate it? And I said, well, if we used the you know kids in mind scale of mm-hmm. sexuality, violence, and profanity, mm-hmm. it was like uh, three, like nine, ten. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was full. And you were right. like, what? Yeah, yeah. Are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm really sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's not just, it's not just the, all the F-bombs and stuff. There's lots of inappropriate you know, references to, oh. I mean, you know, yeah, so I don't mind it's that. soldiers, that's, that's right? Military. That's yeah. Millspec, right? There. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's Millspec. Yeah. Yes. Lots of dirty jokes. <laughs> uh, lots of inappropriate right. comments. Yeah. Lots of alcohol. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. And lots of PT. So there yeah. you go. Now, I think originally when, when I lent it to you, you, like you found it a little slow at the beginning and then yeah. like just devoured the rest right. of like the last I, I found like the first 40 pages or so kind of slow and mm-hmm. it took me a while. I think it took me about a third of the time it took me to read the entire book to read the first like 50 pages. Yeah. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. Because yeah, I had it for a few days and like the first few days I just wasn't getting into it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the afternoon I'm done. So uh, I guess, I mean, I read it first but I let you mm-hmm. go first because I'm nice. And um, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk next and then, w- then we'll come to you, Colin. Okay. Uh, so we're, we're going to save whoever's going to be wrong <laughs> for last. Um, <laughs> Great. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I was looking on, on my little geeky book database thing. And, yeah, yeah, I, re- yeah. I read it in like three and a half days. So uh, that, that tells you that I enjoyed it because I'm not wait, wait, as wait, fast wait, wait. as Colin. Do you keep track of how, many, how long it takes to read books? I do. And how many That's pages. Awesome. Well, I mean, so <laughs> my, my total for the year is based on books that I finished this year. So I have to, at right. least I have to track the start and finish date. So okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yep. So, yes, I know that. That's uh, yeah. It's the kind of guy I am. Now, yes. just because I finished something in two or three days doesn't mean I really liked it. Because there's there's books that are quick right. reads that I'll kind of go, yeah, you yeah. know. But um, but this one, right. yeah, I, I found it quite engrossing. I liked the science fiction elements of it, and so I was looking forward to what they do with the movie. And I wrote down actually some sort of detailed stuff that I thought would be different. In the movie, and I was right on some and wrong on others. So, not that I'll admit to being wrong. But of course not. No, yeah. that's my job. Right, exactly. To admit that I'm wrong. No, I'm supposed to be wrong. <laughs> okay. And that gives you a chance to tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> and then later on, reconsider it and apologize while we're walking and running. <laughs> <laughs> After it's out there for everyone to hear. Yes. And by everyone, I mean 
Emily. Emily. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess, yeah, I did. I emailed it out to you guys so you'd be witnesses of. Right. Yeah. No, I was going to say, um, I lied. I did write something down about this, actually. Oh, you did. I okay. I forgot about it until just now. Okay. About the book or the movie? or Both. Oh, sweet. Okay, well, we'll talk about it after Colin talks about yeah. the book. Because Colin decided to to read it after watching the movie. Yeah, there was no sour grapes. Yeah. Um, I, I find myself having you know mixed mixed emotions about the book. Mm-hmm. So I watched the movie first, and there were things in the movie I didn't exactly care for. Mm-hmm. And then I read the book, and I thought, okay, things will be significantly different because you know it's an adaptation, and few of them are as faithful as they need mm-hmm. to be to be successful in the movie theaters. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and there was killing, so I was happy, but there there, and there wasn't a lot of tomorrowness because you know he doesn't he never actually gets to tomorrow many of the times. Right. Um, He's only on the edge of tomorrow. He was only on the edge of tomorrow. Not quite yeah. there. And there yeah. was a lot of killing, which I thought was great. Right. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the the time travel aspect. It reminds me of a Stargate episode, and I, I meant to look up which one it was so I could at least mention it by season or, or by title. But uh, kind of reminded me of Groundhog Day, but right, yeah, well, it was yeah, like Groundhog that was Day. one of my alternate title for right. Her, right? D-Day, Groundhog, Groundhog D Day, yeah. <laughs> where where the the time loop itself becomes kind of inconsequential and the plot flows through the loops, mm-hmm. uh, incrementally mm-hmm. going back and forth and back and forth and dealing with problems and issues. And right. I really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I hate it when you get to the point where you have to, you know, reset the time loop again. And Yeah. Um, found myself wanting to do ISO push-ups and resisted that challenge. <laughs> right. Uh, it was a good read. It didn't take me that long. I think I did it in an afternoon. This does not so- shock no. me. <laughs> anyway, uh, Colin's skills at, at, at reading are... Consuming High the level. word. Yeah. I was I was disappointed in the ending. I think that you know. So I've seen two endings to wait, the storyline. Wait, 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 which now. ending? The ending in the book. Oh, interesting. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I think we might disagree on that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can disagree on that, and you can still be wrong. All right, so we'll <laughs> we'll talk a bit about the plot. I, I mean, we we don't want to do a step by step by step by step by step. Well, there were over a hundred and eighty <laughs> iterations. One hundred sixty. I think it was in the hundred and sixties. Yeah. yeah. I think it was one hundred sixty nine. Well, why don't you t- tell us about the plot? Give us a little overview, Seth. Okay, so the idea is you have this character. The main character's name is Keiji Kiria, um, which isn't a great pronunciation of the name, but it's it's close enough. And he is essentially uh, not a raw recruit, but he's like straight out of boot camp, and he's on the front lines in a war of humanity and the United Defense Forces against beings that they're calling mimics. The mimics, which are have essentially been sent to Earth to xenoform the Earth for habitation with, I guess, a forthcoming colony ship kind of thing. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, and it's not super, super clear that. And the, the book doesn't dwell on the aliens. It just sort of establishes them as what they are, which is cool. I, I, I like books to be brief on, on detail at times. <laughs> um, Picky. Right. This United Defense Force uses a technology called jackets, where it's a powered armor kind of thing, and that gives them the kind of firepower that they need to drive back the mimics, but even that is essentially insufficient. And Well, they're generally being trounced, although they yeah. recently had a big success. They had a big success, But yes. overall, they're getting their butts kicked. Yes, and this is, it's, it takes place in Japan. Yes. And what we have is the main character ends up getting caught in a time loop, and so he wakes up two days before the battle. And remembers that he was reading a book, and he's like, "Wow, oh, that was a weird dream, right? Yes. Um, and then he realizes it keeps happening. And eventually he realizes this is actually happening to him. And then he has to learn what to do about it. What can I do when I come back through this loop? And I need, I need to learn how to 
use my jacket. So he gets training, and he eventually starts to become more proficient, and eventually meets this legendary soldier named Rita Fritaski, I guess. Yes. Is her name. Uh, they all, they call her the Full Metal Bitch. And what was the other name? Uh, or the Mad Wargarita. Mad Wargarita. Yes. Which is a much cooler name, actually. Right. Yeah. Um, and and finds out that they share a commonality in in how she became what she is, and now mm-hmm. how he's becoming what he is, um, because she had experienced the same sort of looping. Yes. And so you have you have them kind of teaming up for the rest of the book, trying to figure out how do we win this, because the aliens are using their time-looping technology to drive back the humans. And now we have humans who can use it in order to drive back the mimics. And that's kind of where it goes, right? Yeah. How do do they... You know, in order to win, they have to get out of the loop. They have to win the battle and it be permanent. Because if they keep... If he keeps just looping, then the battle is never won. And he's stuck there for eternity. Right, right. Which would kind of suck. But the mimics have some sort of uh, control over that, though. Right. Yes. They don't actually reset unless they lose a battle. And then they're like, oh, we're going to lose. Let's reset. Click. They right. But that only happens if... And, well, yeah. In the course of the training, he finds out if you kill them in the right order. If you mm-hmm. take, if you take oh, out... Right. So yeah. why don't we talk about kind of how the physics of that works, theoretically, <laughs> in, in the book versus right, in the sure. movie. Because it is different. Right. Um, and I'm not totally clear on it, but there's some kind of there's something with tachyons, which are particles, theoretical, I guess, yep. that travel backwards in time. And so they send information about the battle backwards in time mm-hmm. to the mimic soldiers, which tells them what's going to happen in the battle the next day, and then right. they're able to change their tactics. Right. So that's how they're winning to ensure that they win the battle. Right. Yeah. Right. And to stop that from happening, what do KG and Rita have to do? They have to stop the transmission. And in order to stop the transmission, they have to destroy anything that would receive the transmission, destroy the antenna sending it, and destroy the server that emits it. Am I correct on that? Yeah. Yeah. There's an order that they have to take everything out in. And I think it was take out all the receivers, take out the antenna. And I'm not even sure what the antenna is. That's in it was just their their term. It was the, basically the alpha from the movie was the antenna in, right. the, in the book. Well, then what's the server? I thought the server was the alpha. No, I think the or is the server was more the like the omega? The omega, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm not the, the server is the one that actually initiates the reset, mm-hmm. as it were. So I will I will say that though I like a book to be light on detail at times, mm-hmm. I would have appreciated a little better explanation of of the physics part of it. I'm not, and oh. well, I think the reason it's not there is because I'm not <laughs> sure it totally holds up. I'm not <laughs> sure it actually makes probably, sense. That's, that would be so. my uh, assumption. And you know that, that's not just about the server. That's also about the jacket. We don't have a lot of details about the jacket. We know true. about right. some of the primary weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know it's got a faceplate because he fogs one up. Right. We know mm-hmm. it, it takes. It has filters. It has filters. It takes damage. Right. Provides protection. Mm-hmm. Provides force. Provides force. Provides balancing if you have that enabled. Yes. Right. Um, and you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. The the jacket is a very cool piece of technology, and one of the things that he has mm-hmm. to learn early on is how to use its full capabilities because. It's meant to right. protect its user, and one of the things it has to protect them from is, like in Iron Man 2, when it, it shows the hammer tech, right. where, where there's a soldier inside this suit, and it turns around 180 degrees at the waist. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that's dangerous <laughs> to a user, right? Yeah. And, and so it, it has an auto-balancer that keeps you from essentially breaking your own neck or breaking your own back. And the, the other part of it is the weapons really are not sufficient to drive back the mimic force, right? They have this... Yeah. They have rocket launchers and, and I don't know, 50, 30 cal machine guns or something. I think it was 50 cal. And then they have a pile but driver. They have a pile driver that, that, which that, does, that does 
the trick, right? That's but it has a limited number of shots. Right. And so yeah, six yeah. or twelve or eight. So it's a small 20, number. But it just seemed like the, um, the way the book described the mimics, I could see why they would need the pile drivers and that uh, the bullets just wouldn't do anything to them. We don't have like any reasonable size caliber bullet that would do any damage to the to these bulky heaping masses of alien. Right. Well, and Rita has found the most effective weapon to be an axe. A giant axe. Right. A great big rad. giant axe. Yeah. It's totally rad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not going to look it up right now. Um, but yeah, it was a limited number of shots in the pile driver, right? And so, right. yeah, like you said, yeah. Rita had discovered that, well, how about something that doesn't need reloading? A big hunk of metal that yeah. I can slice them open with. Yeah. Yep. And she became proficient with that. And so KG realizes early on that w- once, once he essentially exhausts his advanced weaponry in a battle, and kills enough mimics that way, and then you know runs out and gets killed. Right. He knows he needs to get an axe as well, and so he gets one, which is something that's different than in the film, which was a real drag. That, that was a bummer. Yeah, that would have been rad. Um, but yeah, the the jacket enables them to put the kind of force that they need behind a weapon like the battle axe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the auto balancer, you know, without the auto balancer, they could break their back trying to swing it. So, right. so that's one of the first things he has to do is learn how to even just walk. Without the auto balancer, without the auto balancer on, because because what it is is the the auto balancer dulls your reaction times by fractions of a second, which is is too much when you're when you're fighting a mimic, a technologically advanced nanotech infused mimic. So let's talk a little bit about the mimics. Right. Um, it describes them. So the idea is that they fell into the oceans, mimicked life like the Transformers, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. And and I guess the first thing they saw was starfish, starfish. or something. Starfish, and so yeah, and starfish and crabs. Right. And the soldiers described them as looking like bloated toads or Although bloated, I'm bloated frogs you on or that something. One. The Autobots did not mimic life; they mimicked the vehicles. Okay, saying. whatever. <laughs> Dinobots. Touche. Yeah. They're not Autobots, though. They're Dinobots. Ooh, toast. Okay. Burn. All right. Seth is wrong. Where were we? The weapons, the, the javelins they talked about being thrown were right. Really, I wanted to see that in the movie. Yeah. So in the movie, I never got a real Mm-mm. good impression of what the alien weapon tech was, because they did have some sort of projectile weapons. They seemed to have right. some weird rockets that yep. spiraled in the air, and <laughs> but they, n- they didn't have anything like the javelins. And the javelins come out of the mimic bodies, so it's like something that's part of their right. physiology, like a yeah. porcupine. Uh, Sting or something. Right? Yeah, and it said they come out at like fourteen hundred meters per second right. or something, like a railgun shot out of uh, exactly. Quake Two. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. In fact, yeah. The, the sound effect reminded me of that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that's that, and it'll it'll cut right through a jacket. Right? Yeah, and so in that first battle, he goes into it, and his best friend gets killed early on, mm-hmm. and he gets, I guess, as he's dying. I think he only lasts a few seconds in the first battle. Actually. Right, and he meets Rita at the first battle, and she comes over and essentially says, I'm going to wait until you die and take your batteries. Right. And he's like, well, that's cold. And she asks him a question, which is important because it comes back later. Yes. Where he's able to... And this is something we'll have to talk about. And it's, it's Since I've now read the book twice, I'm still not totally clear on when her loop ended. Because I get the impression her loop ended when his started. Well, I, I didn't I, have that impression at all, but I was tainted by watching the movie. Yeah. Well, so... Well. If no, her her loop ended when his loop started. He basically took it from her. Yeah, so that's I think that's the inescapable conclusion because she asked him that question in his first loop. Mm-hmm. So she, if if she was not in a loop at that time, uh, well, I guess we can say that the first time through the loop wasn't really a loop. That was still hers. And after he killed right. the server, 
that that's what triggered the the mm-hmm. loop, right? The the yeah, that's what triggered the passi- so passing on of looping capability. Right. Somehow she remembers the conversation. I thought the method of looping was exactly the method of losing the loop was the same between the book and the movie. No, no, because in the book it has nothing to do with blood. Mm-mm. Wow, uh, it, it has to do with if you kill the server, you become the server, basically. But I thought they had to kill the antenna. They do have to kill the antenna first, which is why they had to kill. So Rita was an Rita was a server until uh, KG killed the mimic server, and then be- Rita became an antenna. He became the server. That's why. In the end, he had to kill her before, well, had to kill her basically because she to was stop it from looping again. She was an antenna for looping, yeah, to keep them from looping because right. he knew how to he knew how to defeat end the battle. Now he knew how to win the battle and continue on. But if she was still alive, she would have kept looping because she was an antenna. Right. By the way, we're going full spoilers here on the book. <laughs> yes, we just right. did. That's so only, well, right, I don't know. Yeah, it was the only way to explain how this whole thing worked. I, I wanted to talk <laughs> through the intricacies <laughs> of the plot because I, I I read it twice and I'm not totally sure. Everything right. that happened, but and I'll probably read it again because it was enjoyable reading. It's quick. Yeah, it's yeah. quick. Yeah. Um, that's why I understand it. So uh, that's right. that's so why I that's why I think he had to kill her in the end. Right. She, so yeah, somehow she retains the knowledge of, and the question she asked him was, "Hey, do they charge for green tea in Japanese restaurants?" And it's, you know, it's the kind of thing where she's asking him a question to keep him out of shock, right, mm-hmm. or, or right. something, I mean, yeah. just just to distract him from the fact that he's about to die. Right. Um, and so then once he starts looping, <laughs> there's the day that he has. That that and that's the, the like the first forty pages kind of describes in detail mm-hmm. what his day before the battle is like, yeah. and it starts off where one of his uh, superiors is trying to get him to sign a piece of paper, which is a confession to having raided the the PX or PX whatever, for alcohol for alcohol the night before, and they always do that. And then if somebody gets killed in battle and mm-hmm. the crap comes down yeah, because they all sign a paper and yeah. who dies in and battle, so they, they <laughs> oh look it just happens <laughs> yeah. that this guy who got killed was right. the guy who raided it, yes. and. So then they get put on to PT, right? Right. And so they go out there and they're doing these ISO push-ups, which sound like some kind of hardcore planks. Yes. And at some point he notices Rita. And she, she comes over and he notices that she looks very different out of the armor. She's very unassuming, very small. Petite. Yes. Yeah. And she Petite no- Midwestern girl. Right. <laughs> and she notices him and comes over and, well, she asks to join the PT. And because she's so famous and so well-regarded, the general is like, yeah, whatever. And so she, she gets into the ISO push-up next to him and says, do I have something on my face? Which, <laughs> which is something they kept in, in, in the, the movie. In the movie. Yeah. Yes. And eventually, you know, he, he starts to learn from her. And the way he does that, he, he, he feels like, well, I need to tell her that this is happening to me. And he goes over to her and he says, the tea is free. And and she just breaks down, which is kind of uncharacteristic. And right. the only way I can explain that is that he broke her out of the loop. Yeah. Like, and sh- that's it's a relief that she knows she's not in the loop anymore. Right. But again, I'm not totally sure. And this is this is I'm not sure. I guess it's a weakness of the book. I mean, it's it's something I keep thinking about. So, mm-hmm. if there's anybody out there and you've read All You Need Is Kill, you can feel free to uh, correct our understanding for this kind <laughs> of stuff. Yeah. Feedback right. at pavementpodcast.com. And that is one thing the movie did better. They tightened down some of those loose screws. They did. Right? So we know exactly yeah. how the loops ended. We know exactly how they end the overall scenario. Yes. Uh, we know, uh, you know, she's leaving clues with everyone she meets to try and see whether or not someone else is looping. And he triggers that clue. Mm-hmm. And so he gets access to, you know, the power-ups and the bonus information and the training. And, mm-hmm. you know, he can be shot in the head and all those kind of good things, which would help <laughs> him learn better. Right. Right. Yeah. So w- once, once he's revealed to her 
what's going on, then she kind of agrees to train him. Right. And before that, he trains with a character that is much less intricately described in the book, and that's Sergeant Farrell. Yes. But he's gloriously portrayed by Bill Paxton. We'll get, we'll get back to that. <laughs> and, yeah, so he, he learns from this guy who's a veteran of many battles, and he's a jacket jockey who doesn't use the auto balancer. But he also doesn't use the big axe or anything. Mm. So he's, he's only taken his training so far, enough that he's survived a bunch of battles. Right. right. One of the interesting things in the book, just structurally, it's told in the first person, and mm-hmm. so you, it's a first-person account from Keiji Korea until he meets Rita on the battlefield and she asks him, how many loops is this for you? And this is, I don't even remember when, <laughs> when that happened now, but it's like after 157 attempts. I guess it's right. after he had met her, but once, I'm going to have to go back and read it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, because, yeah, I think he had already met her and told her the other, he had, he had told her, you know, the green tea, and they had met and started training. But then at some point on the battlefield, she realizes he's looping. Mm-hmm. So. And that's yeah. when she's like, come find me when this is over. Right. But yeah. then the narrative shifts immediately. It goes third person, and you get kind of the background of Rita. Right. And I don't remember if either guys remembered that, but Colin, yeah. I thought maybe no. you, yeah. you would. Yeah, it goes back to uh, how she started doing all this in the first place. Right. right. And she was, she was a gifted soldier from the beginning without the looping. Yeah. But. Yeah, it definitely happened, and in whatever battle she was. She was particularly motivated at that. Yeah, and <laughs> she's American in the in mm-hmm. the book, whereas in the movie, then she's English. Yeah, the UDF, they're really, really united, as in the United Kingdom right. and the United States. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of other... Well, uh, I guess there's some other nationalities in well, his no, unit. Yeah, 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 because American is kind of... It is still separate. There's a different, different compound and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and they're almost seen as an elite force that have come in to help the Japanese. Right. Whereas in the movie, they're way more united. It's like the United Nations has you know, blossomed and there's truly an international fighting force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's the, I really like the parts of the book where he's kind of getting to know her in each loop. And they, the, one of my favorite parts is that, uh, I called it umeboshi throwdown. Yeah. Where he introduces <laughs> right. her to this, this sort of pickled plum kind of thing that I wanted to get some so we could try them. Um, but, and, and they just, they're essentially like, having a shot battle or something, you know, a drinking drinking game where right. they're just trying to see who can eat, eat the, the most, most of these without <laughs> flinching because evidently they're super sour, yeah. salty, vinegary. Um, Sounds yummy. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, you know, he gets in fights with people and, and, and learns about himself, right? Right. So he, he grows as a character through it. And he, become, he starts to become this amazing soldier. And that arc actually, I think, gets amplified even more in the book. Yeah. Tom Cruise's character starting point is so much lower than just being an average. It is, yeah. Army. Well, he, yeah, runs. he's he's he's, uh, he's he was a major. Yeah, yeah and yeah. but he's like almost a washed up soldier, right? Oh, he, sure. he he went to boot camp, and then I'm not sure he ever really right served in a forward area. Yeah, yeah. he wasn't really what you'd consider a soldier, honestly. I mean, he yeah. was an ad, and, guy. and he wouldn't have considered Military himself ad guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, anything else to talk about about the book? I mean, uh, James, you mentioned it, right? At some point, they've got the plan. They know exactly what to do. They mm-hmm. execute it perfectly, and boom, back in the loop. Yep. And it, you know, he wakes up again, and is really pissed because he thinks they did everything right. What and so, heck? I mean, I don't know how much we want to go through. We already did. I just, I ruined it all. So, <laughs> you, Yeah, James revealed Spoiled it. We're, it we're, yeah, they realized that. It, it was Rita's one that realized It had happened that. to Rita long enough that yeah. she became a server. Yeah. And and so. Rita's the one that realized what was going on. She's like, right. yep. Uh, and so she picks a fight with to kill me. Yeah. yeah and and there's this awesome battle, which mm-hmm. I think would have been cool on film. Yeah. We didn't right. get. Yeah. 
but you know it wouldn't be a Hollywood ending. But it wasn't necessary in the movie. No, though, because the the, the way the, things worked was yeah, substantially based on the different. way the time traveling worked. It, the structure was different. Yeah, it wasn't the, it wasn't necessary. Yeah, so, so you kind of have that love story kind of thing even mm-hmm. going, and in the movie, no, in both. In it both was really it downplayed in the book, though. It's nowhere it, near as strong as it is in the movie. The last thing he says to her is that he loves her as she's dying. He stays with her yeah. t- t- until until she dies. And also, he he offers, you know, let's just let's just keep looping. And and she's like, no, that's not fair because right. I meet you for the first time every loop, and it's not fair to him. So it's 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 definitely there in the book. Yep. Mm. I must not have paid real close attention to the book when I read it because I, I I didn't get that. I thought there was a lot of ambiguity in there, and I don't remember that ending at all. Yeah, so it, <laughs> it's kind of sweet at at the end, and and yeah. the, so that that love element of it is definitely there. Um, yeah, and but in the movie, it's it's much more. See, I thought it was much more by implication in the in the movie. Well, until the point where she's getting in the helicopter. Okay, right. We need yeah. to talk about the movie. Yeah, it's the, always the time to talk about the yeah, movie, right? So. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, so let's let's talk. Um, oh, there was one other thing I wanted to. There's a notion in the book where she has this lounge all to herself, the sky lounge. Oh, yeah. yes. And where she goes and she wants to be away from the battle. And the reason that she mm-hmm. wants to be away from the battle is she's when going through these loops, people will get killed all the time. Right. She's trying and to she isolate has, herself. She has to isolate yeah. herself to not care about the people who die, so long as the battle right. is won. And he kind of comes around to that idea because at the beginning he mm-hmm. wants to save his best friend, and he does that, and he gets killed. Right. And then he's trying to save people, and eventually he just has to stop caring yeah. in order to win the battle. Which happens in the movie too. It uh, does. To, to a degree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it was it was definitely there with the fat with, right, the, with the naked guy, make, right? Stop yeah. trying to save fat boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, I, I wanted to mention that. Uh that's one of my favorite things in the movie. <laughs> that dude is go totally Gomer pile. <laughs> so and he needed to wear one. something on his butt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my son liked that. Uh, every, every boot camp has a Gomer pile. We had one. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the Expectations I had going into the movie, you know, one of them was obvious. the The jackets are they're presented in the book as something with with some kind of a face shield on them, and there right. is something like that in the movie. But you're not going right. to put Emily Blunt in a big bubble, you know. You're, you're going to show her because she's beautiful. So and Tom Cruise. Yeah, I think they could have done something like they did in Iron Man. How they have you, you say you see Iron Man, but all the scenes where. Uh, Tony Stark is talking. Rob right. Downey Jr. Yeah, you get helmet. his face. You're yeah, in the helmet. In with him. you're in the you're in the helmet with him. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah. I, I I think they probably could have pulled it off, but I understand the mm, way they went. Because yeah. one thing that I I liked about that is that they went with more practical effects than computer graphics. Oh so, sure. Um, so yeah, I I thought they're going to dumb down the jackets. They're not going to be. And I had seen they're essentially exoskeletons rather than like powered armor. Right. So. But when you said exoskeletons, I was thinking exoskeletons like in Elysium with uh, Matt Damon. I don't know if you saw the movie. I didn't. But uh, yeah, these are a little more but advanced, right? These are Yeah, these are a bit more advanced than what, what he had, yeah. Yeah. I expected character consolidation. Like, you, if you've got Emily Blunt in there, she's going to be the guy. The guy. Right. <laughs> she's going to be the person training him <laughs> most of the time. Which kind of was born out. True. Yeah. Yeah. You, didn't, you never had that section where he was learning. Like, every day he was going to Farrell, and Farrell was training him in something else. And he was getting better right. with the suit. Right. Um, I, I think Pharaoh is almost a different character in the movie, though, than he was in the book as well. He was, yeah. yeah. He was more of the just he was like the drill, drill sergeant, sergeant yeah. guy, yeah. As Which was awesome. in the book, where he was a little bit of that, but a little bit more mentorish. Yeah, he was he was cooler. Yeah, in the in the book, way more. But Bill Paxton was awesome anyway. So, well, yeah. they took all of his his awesomeness and they rolled it into the first. 
10 minutes of the movie where Bill Paxton oh, shows well, up most of the time. <laughs> yeah, you have to yeah. because in, if it's going to be a loop, it's, you've, you've right. got to have it that first time. Otherwise, it's never there. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're going to have him figure in the training, which, of course, you've got Emily Blunt there, so you give her the FaceTime. So that was one of those things I expected, and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That's how I do it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. And then I thought, they're not going to kill off Emily Blunt. That's, I, would, I, I actually wrote, I'll be seriously Im impressed if they kill off Emily Blunt. And then I put as a... What'd you, what'd you I put was there? right... Let me see. Uh, okay. uh, Just read it. Just read it, James. Oh, okay. Well, well after reading your expectation, uh -huh. I, I I thought for sure that they would kill her. And oh, I really? was right. Yeah. Oh, okay. As a, as a proviso to that, I, I thought, well, maybe they'll end up him figuring out some way to sacrifice himself and save her. But yeah. I, I was, was thinking it was going to be something like where he would try and save her and they couldn't save her because he had to... Right. Basically, what, it, what happened in the book, where he tried to save her but couldn't save her because... He's got to save the rest of humanity instead. He mm. has to make a sacrifice of some sort. Yeah, let's let's shift to talking about the m the movie. I think we all kind of recommend the book. Like it's yeah. it's definitely. I mean, given mm. the brevity of it, it's it's definitely worth a read. And I think it it, right. it does reward more read throughs. But as you can hear, I've read it twice, and there's still stuff I'm not <laughs> sure what happened. It's not it's not like watching Primer or something. No, I think it's exactly <laughs> watching like Primer because Primer. between the loops in the movie and the loops in the book, I think it's all right. become kind of like okay. Goo. But I would say that. I expect that if I read this enough times, I'll get it. I can't say the same with Primer. So, no, too sure. Although I would watch Primer again just because it was it was cool. Yeah. Um, Until your nose starts bleeding. So you guys went and saw it together. I went and I took my twelve year old to it. Uh huh. Um, which is interesting because the book is very R rated and the movie is very not R rated. I mean, it's it's PG thirteen mm -hmm. mostly for violence, and even then, it's not bloody. Yeah. No. Which which is interesting because and I think part of that is that the decision going into not having the uh, javelins because those would have been gruesome. Right. Uh, having people impaled on stuff yeah. constantly. Yeah. Um the mimics are not very scary. The alien design is very different than No, the mimics are squiddies. Yeah, yeah, the sentinels from the <laughs> matrix, that's yeah. really what they reminded me of. Yeah. Though they also look kind of dinosaurish in places. Yeah, especially the alpha. The, the alphas did. The alpha, yeah. 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 The alphas looked like, yeah, hulking masses. Yeah. I was disappointed. I was bummed at the alien design. Oh, I, didn't, I hadn't read the book first. And yeah, looking at those aliens going like, these don't look like any alien. I mean, these kind of you know, sh you know, shimmery, silvery things with mm -hmm. sinews and stuff. It's like, I just... They didn't look like anything. No. Th that was right. my, they're very generic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would have rather seen something like the xenomorphs from Alien and Aliens... Where where it's it's guys in suits mm. wearing you know really cool suits, and because the mimics were described as having like four legs and a tail, yeah, and you could right. totally have put people into it, but I'm I'm not sure that you just don't get that anymore, which is yeah. a bummer. Yeah, I could have so. done with them just being aliens with four legs and a tail, and not all the shimmery and like there's one point where in the movie they they actually roll over people. Yeah, and right. I'm thinking, what? Yeah. yeah. Come on. Yeah, I didn't have a clear idea of when they were being damaged. You know, because you, you had people that just playing into yeah. them with, with machine guns. Right. And you're like, are they, is that effective? Yeah. Well, and, th and that's another yeah. major difference, right? We talked about how the suits are slightly different. Mm -hmm. In the movie, the, uh, your infantry weapon is an effective weapon. The machine gun. The machine gun you can right. kill people with. You can kill people with your rockets. You can kill people with a sword. Yeah. Um, and then, but in, they're still rolling all over us, literally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, like the main difference, well, a couple main differences, right? Tom Cruise is obviously not a raw recruit, not straight out of boot camp. No. And he's presented early in the movie as like a PR guy. 
He's a, he's a major. Uh, right. He mentions that he was in ROTC. You know, he's not really a soldier. And he gets sent out to essentially do PR on the front lines. Which, yeah, by they the way, is a burn on ROTC people. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I have no disrespect for, for ROTC people. There's lots, lots of folks who do it and go on and serve quite honorably. Yeah, and, you know, funny, he did in his own way serve honorably. You know, he, he was a PR guy mm-hmm. helping to raise funds for these awesome exoskeletons. Um. Yeah. Although in the end, when they wanted to embed him, he actually tries to blackmail the brigadier yeah. general, which oh. is how all this gets started. Yeah, he's a jerk. He's a yeah. Right. Um, he's yeah. a blackmailer. He's a horrible soldier. He's disloyal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he, he, yeah. He he basically says, "Well, <laughs> I guess uh, you you might not be happy with my report from the front." Yeah. <laughs> and then he finds himself busted down to private. You know, he totally had it coming. It's kind of so, wild. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's where it starts, right? He gets kicked awake by by some other guy who calls him a maggot. He meets Farrell, who he starts trying to tell him, no, look, I'm really a major. <laughs> and, and, and Bill Paxson, just, he, he was wonderful yes. in, in that role. You know, he's like, hmm, interesting. You know, pulls out the piece of paper in which somebody had, or the, the uh, general had warned him that this guy's crazy and he's going to try and pretend that he's a major um, and, try and, and possibly try to escape. Yeah, so on his way to meet his, his unit, J-Unit, yeah, it is J unit. Right. So he goes he goes to meet them and, and Bill Paxton goes on this wonderful soliloquy, which Colin was gonna memorize, but totally yeah. slacked off. Yeah, the baptism of holy warfare, battle, justice, blood. Yeah. Yes. Wow. yeah. Baptismal by the crucible of fire. Yes. Yep. Yeah, because he, he's basically telling him, look, you're a dishonorable deserter, mm-hmm. but you've got an opportunity for redemption. That's right. For right. the crucible of combat. Yeah, and he, he delivers a <laughs> soliloquy like Three, maybe four loops in a row. Uh-huh. And so you get to hear it and hear it and hear it, and it really drives home this idea. Yeah, he's looping in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it, was, it was interesting, you know, in casting Tom Cruise for a movie like this. You know, you could have taken John Cho from uh, the Star Trek movies, you know, guy who plays Sulu. You could, you could have cast oh, him oh yeah. and had him play KG Korea. And this is, this is a gripe with Hollywood, right? The whitewashing of... Of, of movies, yeah, because right. this, this is a Japanese book, and you cast Tom Cruise as the lead character. Um, <laughs> the, there is a tie back to the original character. His name is Cage, Major mm-hmm. Cage, instead of Cagey. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end of the book, he ends up being dubbed Killer Cage by the American Special Forces. Right. So yeah. that's, that's the nod to the book. And so, yeah, having him be an older guy, you know, because he's not portrayed as being super young. Right. No. Um, I mean, he's not portrayed as being as old as he is, probably. Um, but yeah, you have to have a different way of getting him onto the front lines, and so having him busted down like that, I thought was a nice way to accomplish that. And this is always the the interesting thing with uh, film adaptation. Is you're like, well, you made some decisions, and I want to try and read their minds and figure out why they did it. And in this case, a lot of the way the movie worked out was, well, Tom Cruise is starring, so we're going to do it this way. Right. Yeah. I-, I would like to see an adaptation of the book. Uh, with all Japanese characters and uh, being a yeah. little more faithful to the story. Although I did really like the fact, as I mentioned, that you know Tom Cruise came from so much lower and ended up so much higher in the end. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and Reality in the process, wise. right? You know, yeah. So um, Farrell's part is greatly diminished yes. uh, in a relatively early point uh, when he's he's survived a little while, and Rita comes by to take his batteries after he dies, and she says. Um, doesn't she ask him about the green tea? I think she asked him about the green tea, but then she also says, see me after you wake up. No, no, no. That's, that's later. After that's he later. rescues her, yeah. Okay. Um, because, because in that battle, um, 
in that first battle, he gets wounded, and she comes over to tend to him, but then I think she gets killed, and he blows away the Alpha. And, and that's where gets, their blood he gets, gets intermingled. Yeah, he gets saturated with this. Right, he gets saturated with the Alpha that, blood. That's like the most gruesome thing in the movie, is that he kind of gets, the blood is almost like xenomorph blood, where yeah. it's, it has like an It's eating him away. It's like yeah. oil. It does look a lot yeah. like, yeah. So but like but it's steaming and sizzling like blew up and stuff. a robot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's blue. Yeah. And <laughs> so that's, that's the difference, right? That... Mm-hmm. It has to do with him getting saturated with that blood. That's how he hijacks right. the power. And that that makes a big difference. And I, I think it, you're right. It is easier to understand. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It, it, pro- it provides a more relatable understanding for the possibility of it happening. Right. Than in the, in the book when they talk about tachyon pulses. And yeah, exactly. Stuff, so. we, we've talked about this before where y- when you make a movie, you have to make it palatable for moviegoers right. over... Yeah people who are going to read books because I might go back and read this book mm-hmm. to try and understand it. Well, if you can't understand the movie, you might go, well, screw that. I, I yeah. didn't like it. Primer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that didn't happen to Primer. No, it didn't. Which says maybe it doesn't. Well, Primer was a movie for geeks by geeks, you know, and True, I, right. I think I think there's some selection bias there because you, you, you took an average person, you know, who wasn't into science fiction and you showed them mm-hmm. Primer. They'd probably hate it because they wouldn't get it. They'd feel stupid and it'd be insulting to them. Yes. Well, and talking about selection bias, the people that would pursue it and rewatch it would therefore fall into our category of, of geeks. Yes, it is true. Yep. We tend towards the geeky. Yeah. But we wandered pretty far afield. So Tom, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise becomes uh, you know, saturated with all this blood, mm-hmm. and he starts resetting. Right. And then mm-hmm. at some point, uh, Rita recognizes that he's resetting. Mm-hmm. And in the process, he, he begins trying to tell people, well, no, I've done this before. I know what's going to happen. Yeah, there's They're going to really shoot us scenes. out of the sky. And in one of the loops, they tape his mouth shut right. <laughs> because they're tired of awesome. hearing about him. Well, yeah. yeah, I like that. He, he goes in there. He goes and meets his squad, sort of proves his credentials as somebody who has done this before by, by knowing all their names and, mm. and, and knowing what's going to happen. And then he goes on this sort of Jerry Maguire, who's coming with me thing. And and he's he's like so so now you believe me right and then the next scene is him duct tape which I thought was awesome because I'm like yeah you you're gonna tell people this they're gonna think you're crazy right and also cannon fodder so yeah put this guy up in the front Um, so yeah every time into the battle their plane I'm not sure what it is it's like a helicopter kind of thing with the twin rotors yeah uh, gets gets shot out of the sky and they end up having to eject. Early, mm-hmm. um, and one one of my son's favorite things was <laughs> the guy who gets into his jacket, uh, wearing nothing else. Oh, right. <laughs> so <laughs> now it's enough of an exoskeleton that yeah, it does cover the front and right. <laughs> it doesn't totally cover the back. Well, and he makes some excuses <laughs> to why he doesn't do it. Do well, you remember yeah, what it is? Well, no, he's like, man, I just got to be free. That's right, <laughs> which was cool, um, and I like that. And he, yeah, he's not the kind of it's as as Jerry Seinfeld would say, that's not good naked. No. <laughs> um, even you know it's no. not explicit naked either, but it's it's ugly. Um, but he he pays for it. He does, yes, yes. Very, right. Like in that first battle, he's he's standing there on the battlefield, and another one of the ships falls on him. And so in subsequent battles, then Cage tries to rescue him. That's the first. I think mm-hmm. that's the first thing he changes, right? Yeah, he tries. He knocks to him out of the way, guy. and he yeah. gets crushed. Yes. Yeah. Um, but even he knocks him out of the way, gets crushed. But he does successfully rescue him quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Until he realizes how kind of pointless it is rescuing him, and right. just lets him die because he's got yeah. That's what happens to he's him later move on. on. And one of the things I thought the movie did really well was express creatively how long he had, mm-hmm. how many loops he had done, because right. it didn't always show the same thing happening over and over. It would yeah, just show which, which was nice. little <laughs> bits of 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 a number of loops right mm-hmm. in a row, 
and show how he was progressing. Yeah, so, right. like the time they're in PT doing push-ups and ISO push-ups, and uh, he's trying to get away because he wants to go find Rita. <laughs> right. And he does this by trying to roll underneath yeah. a truck to cover his escape. <laughs> <laughs> Which goes really badly. There's like four or five loops yeah. where he's like, crunch, <laughs> crunch, <laughs> crunch. Yeah, that was cool. Um, yeah, because in one of those battles, he meets Rita. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and, and she, gets, she gets killed. And so in a subsequent one, he rescues her. And and it's in most of the trailers where 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 he instinctively like without looking, nails right. one of the mimics and hits another one with a rocket. And he's like, "We got to get out of here. I need you to help me get off this beach." Yeah, and she's like, and "How did you do that?" Yeah, and yeah. and then she says, "Come find me when you wake up." And so that's what I think that's when he starts doing his roll under the tires, trying thing. to right. get to her. Yeah. yeah, and so he finds her, and she, kind of true to the book, is isolating herself. She's in this dangerous uh, training area. Training area. Right. And it's you know training field B or whatever it was from the book probably yeah um, right. and it's it's quite different than anything that was in the book because it's got it's got all these it's got special effects training right mm-hmm. it's got little spinny thingies that you're supposed to learn how to shoot at and right. attack and dodge and avoid and um, right and he comes up upon her and she's doing something like an ISO push up pretty impressive actually yeah because like no feet on the ground just her Mm-mm. yeah her hands under her um, and. He has to be able to express to her. And I don't even remember how he expresses to her that... You told me to come find you when I woke up. Right. I think yeah. that's the line. And so through, the, through that interaction, then he meets the crazy physicist or whatever. Yeah, down in the basement. Yeah. And, and kind of start... They, they start explaining to him about the omegas. And this is where we have the difference between the physics of the book and the physics of the movie. Where in this case, there's the common soldier mimics. And right. then there's the alphas which Tom Cruise had killed. And then there's right. the Omega, which can reset the day. Um, and the Omega's stationary. It doesn't come into the battlefield. It's right. too, too valuable. Mm-hmm. Right. And so now that he's been saturated with alpha blood, he has the power to reset the day. So every time he dies, right. he resets. Where in the book, um, even if he just got knocked out, the day reset. And so that's, that's a major difference because right. it's important... They keep noting, you know, he has to die in order for the day to reset. Mm-hmm. And so if he gets trapped someplace yeah. or... And, and well, she, she another, describes what happened Another difference with the time, the the way they time travel is that in the, in the movie, um, you, later you figure out that the Omegas know about whoever the Alpha is. They knew who the Alpha is, right? Right. They knew that um, Cage was an Alpha or became an Alpha. That's not true in the book, though. Um, and that changes the way... That changes the way they... Uh, depicted that battle that they won in Florida. Right. Remember they in the in the movie they depicted that as kind of a trap basically. They the Omega allowed the humans to win that battle in Florida to get them all puffed up and confident in themselves. Right. So they and would mass yeah. they would do a massive invasion. And this mm-hmm. is so when when I mentioned that you know my alternate name for the movie is Groundhog D Day. Right. Uh, <laughs> it came out on June sixth. And yep. and and the very beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. you have them in England flying yeah, over to flying France. The channel, yeah. To, yeah, and and so it's totally. I think it was right. evocative of of D Day. I think that yeah. it was deliberate that they launched it on that date. Yeah, which I thought was cool, actually. Right. You know, but, uh, yeah. So in the, in the book, that same battle was actually won by Rita. Right, she got famous in that. She got famous right. in that battle mm-hmm. when they when they won in Florida. Right. When they didn't. When it kind of seems like they didn't really win in the movie. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, she she had. She had earned her reputation in another in uh, Verdun, yeah, which mm-hmm. is is different, you know. Right. Um, so yeah, the the rest of the movie is them trying to figure out. With the first, they have to get off the beach. They right. have to find the Omega, and there's something to do with. They start having dreams. Yeah, so they're tr- they know that uh, 
uh, an earth person has become imbued with alpha abilities and they're trying to find him and stop him because until he's dead, they can't win. Right. And so when you were starting to be tracked down, you'd start to have these visions. That was one of the the indicators. Right. Right. And so the idea was, okay, let's use that, find out what the Omega is, go take it out and we win the battle. Right. Um, But you can't kill an Omega because that would reset the loop. Or they would know you were coming, or no, no. I think you can. I think you can kill the Omega. I mean, what the Omega yeah, is dead, the Omega is dead. Yeah, because yeah. that 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 was their plan to try to get to the Omega. Right. And of course, then they find out. Well, if they're communicating with you through dreams, how do you know they're giving you the correct information? Right. Right. And, and which, turns which out that not. didn't dawn on them until after right. he knew it was. Until yeah. after he got. Yeah, and he was lucky to get out of there. Right? Yeah. Um. And well, I think he killed himself to get out of there, didn't he? Yeah, I think he drowned. Yeah. Um. No, no, I think he actually killed himself, though, before because the, the alpha he was tried about to, to and they, they knocked the gun out of his hand when he was trying to off himself, yeah. and I think he ended up drowning. Okay. Um, but, yeah, the same kind of thing from the book, and Colin, you didn't remember it from the book about this sort of love story, where you can see that Tom Cruise is falling for this... Uh, Tom Cruise, sorry. It is Tom Cruise. Major right. Cage. Tom Cruise is always Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. There's no question. Um, but, yeah, Cage is... is and with private Cage, really, at this point, um, is yeah. totally falling for Emily Blunt, and who wouldn't? Um, but... I like. I really like that scene where they finally get out of the battle and they get get to a, a house up to the farmhouse and yeah and he he all of a sudden is reluctant to move on and she's trying to figure out why mm-hmm. and she asks him you know how many times have we been here and I I I thought it was strange when I saw that in in the trailer because they show that they show the come find me when you wake up and the how many times have we been here and I thought well one of them clearly shows that she knows he's looping mm-hmm. but. Really, that was how many times have we been to this spot? Yeah. Um, why aren't we moving on from here? And it, and it turns out that he's he's played through every permutation, and he can't get away from here with her alive, and he's not willing to go on without her. Well, yeah. Every time they try to leave together, she mm-hmm. dies, and right. so he doesn't. He wants to try spending, you know, staying here for a while and then moving on. Right. Yeah. I I think he's just willing, even to, kind of like at the end of the book. Where he's he's not he's not willing to sacrifice her to win the war, right? And at this point, because he's totally head over heels for her now, um, though I thought it was subtle in the movie, you know. I mean, it, it wasn't sappy, but you could see when he's giving that speech about we, if if we get in that helicopter, if we start that helicopter, you die yeah. every time. We can't we can't get past this. Yeah, at that point, I thought it was really obvious. Yeah. Well, so yeah, then his his tactic right is to to try and go through, get off the beach without her, and that's when he gets mm-hmm. in the trap. So. Um, and so once we have the trap, now we can talk about one of the other differences. Go for it. So um, once you become inundated with alpha blood, you have the ability to time loop. And Rita had, that had happened to her in the Battle of Verdun, mm-hmm. but she hadn't fully died one time. And so they, they took her back she and they transfused. gave her a blood transfusion yeah. and she lost the alpha lost blood it, yeah. and she didn't loop anymore. Right. Um, and so, of course, that's, that's a Chekhov's gun thing. You're like, well, that's going to happen to him eventually. That's right. right. And so it happens. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, they, he's, they go through a loop. Tom Cruise doesn't die. He mm-hmm. doesn't have a chance to kill himself even because he's done that. Uh, Rita's killed him. Like when they were training. <laughs> you know, awesome. yeah, I think I broke my leg. Oh, we can't have that. <laughs> yeah. Start all over again. <laughs> yeah. That had to be cathartic. You shoot Tom Cruise in the head over and over. Right. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. And they, they eventually try and convince the general. Of, of what's going on. Yeah. That, 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 that the invasion is going to fail. Yeah. And they've, they, you can tell they've done it certain times because as they walk mm-hmm. in, Tom is like, okay, three steps, move left. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and so they're dodging all these things because they can't get stopped because they have no excuse for being where they are. They're supposed mm. to be on the battlefield. Right. They get all the way in. He finally convinces the general. and like, yeah, this has never happened before. <laughs> we never got here before. And it still hasn't happened before because they get chased all the way out by MPs. <laughs> right. And then she blows them away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we don't, we don't have to necessarily talk about... 
everything that happens toward the end of the movie. Because, um, yeah. yeah, it keeps looping. They keep, keep getting closer, right? Right. And eventually they get there, and I, what I liked was you, they use J-Squad. Right? They essentially go AWOL with J-Squad in order to, to take down the Omega. Right. And it, at some point, Tom has enough integrity and character and he's he knows how to gain the trust of these people because he's been there 160 times or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and he's able to convince them. Yeah, and I think that's part of his art. He went from being this you know sleazy, disloyal PR guy to someone that can really lead men, right. mm-hmm. which is what a major in his position should be able to do. Sure. Yeah, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go no, ahead. no, yeah, that, that's fine. So yeah, they they have that climactic battle, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and at some point, she says to him. Neither of us are getting out of here alive. And I thought, oh, wow, awesome. You know, they're, they're going right. to kill everybody off. Sweet. That's going to be the kind of movie ending that I like. I mean, not that I like. It's not a feel-good ending. But there's times when I'm watching something and I'm like, oh, I think this is going to yeah, end but badly, but it makes sense. Either. <laughs> right, yeah. And so I, like, it I'm became not, a feel-good movie. I'm right. not against <laughs> a, a, a downer ending right. if it makes sense. Yeah, and I think it, it could have worked if they, yeah. if, he had, if they both had died. Yeah, but so then let's 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 talk about uh, right. okay. Before we do that, um, I'm just gonna. I really like the movie. I I thought it was really good. Like the the longer that I go, having watched it, the more mm-hmm. I the more my opinion of it goes up because I think it was a skillfully done movie. I like the way they did the looping. I like the way his character arc went. Yes, right. um, I like the performances. You know, I'm I'm not a huge Tom Cruise guy. I like a number of his movies a lot, but it's not necessarily because of him. Um, he, he's kind of the same in a lot of movies, and, and I have no problem right. with that. Um, but yeah, I, I liked I liked the cast. You know, I liked Bill Paxton, and yeah. I liked the, the whole J Squad. Um, so I thought it was really well done. And I'm, you know, it hasn't done extremely well at the box office. We, we were talking about it before we started. Yeah. Where you look at Transformers Four, which just mm-hmm. came out, and it made three hundred million in the first weekend. Yeah, and this one is not quite to three hundred million after three four weeks. Yeah, so that's a drag. So I'm going to say my recommendation: go see it in the theater because it's. I'm sure it's a better movie than Transformers Four. Yeah. <laughs> I so. can almost undoubtedly say it is. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, I wanted to kind of find out from you guys before we talk about. There's a major gripe that I I think we all have about it, or I, at least I know you. I don't do. think Colin does. Oh, okay. Um, so impressions, James, of the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, like you said, it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the movie. Um, there's a few of the expectations that I had that didn't pan out like the suits like very we were great about the suits we great about the aliens well, it, it's worth i was mentioning. right that emily blunt died yay me although yeah although <laughs> she really did she die, yeah did no she? That, Which is, yeah. she died every time um, what are you talking about <laughs> she died over and over right. no so sorry I, I meant sorry to interrupt um, but, um the the suits the ending well, uh, what, what well the suits definitely weren't the jackets no right? they weren't the um, jackets no. um, on the other hand I'm always a big fan of practical effects over CG. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. well-done CG is, is great. You know, like Iron Man. They the, could the have suit had well-done CG suits like Iron Man. They but it's rare. That's the problem. But yeah. But they, they, they could have gone that way, but they didn't. And so if they're going to no. do practical effects, I'm always going to go, okay, that's cool. Sure. Um, so, yeah. And th- there's some, I'll, I'll see if I can find them. On, a blaster had several kind of behind-the-scenes things talking about the suits because the suits weighed a ton. Yeah. And they, they really kind of had to learn how to, how to use them. Didn't you mention that one time when he falls down, he actually just fell down? He didn't have to act falling down because they were so heavy? I don't know. I, I, my, my impression was that like that first time he's marching in the suit, right. and he just doesn't look as Very proficient clunky. in it as everybody yeah. else. Um, oh, okay. Here's an aside. We've we got these little mincing steps. Yeah. No. Okay. So, yeah. 
I'm, I'm, you know I'm what? One thing this. I didn't get from the movie. Now that I think about it, is huh. why did they did why did they call mimics in the movie? Did they call them mimics in the movie? They did. Yeah. Okay. I just didn't, I just didn't understand why. Yeah, we didn't get any exposition about where the yeah. aliens came from. Because the mimics, the call of mimics, made sense in the book. Because mm-hmm. they landed in the ocean, they look like freaking starfish crab things. Yeah. Huge bulky masses that move surprisingly fast. Yeah. Um, but in the book, they landed in Germany, and they still look like squids. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's their tough. native form. And I don't remember that's them talking about xenoforming either. No. Not really. Yeah, because yeah, it was more or less just an invasion at that the point. The book talks right. about how they yeah. take in the native flora and fauna and crap out green slime that's toxic to, talk to people. Right, right. Um, but I mean, we could go on and on with the differences between the book aliens <laughs> and, the, and the movie aliens. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think we would agree that it was not a good... Not a good move. Right. I think I yeah. think definitely yeah. if the, if there's like the biggest demerit against the movie is the aliens themselves. This, that's the second biggest demerit. The first biggest demerit is the is disappointing the Disney ending. Okay. Well, yes. let, let's just go to that and I'll get back to the <laughs> other thing because we were going to talk about how he how he came to be so proficient in the suit. Okay. Um, we okay. talked about it on, on one of our recent pavement poundings and I wanted to get back to it because I did some research. Okay, oh. good. Fair um, enough. Okay. So well, which which do we want to go first? We wanna I'll just end my gripe with the ending real quick. Okay. And your end <laughs> your gripe with the ending. <laughs> so I think the way I think the ending should have gone was after Tom Cruise had died, um they cut right to the scene where they had the big press conference like unexpectedly power failure, all the mimics died and we beat the crap out of them. Mm-hmm. It should have ended with that. That would have been an awesome ending where they still won the war and Tom Cruise and Ellie Blunt sacrificed themselves for humanity. Yeah. And everybody's happy, right? I, and I, I'm with you on that. I I would have been satisfied with that ending, right? So, Colin, what what do you think of the ending? Uh, I could have been satisfied. That, that would have been okay. I think it would have been better yeah. if Rita had sacrificed herself so that Tom Cruise could have killed the Omega, but and then proceed the from that she point did forward herself for him to kill the Omega because she sacrificed herself to distract the Alpha so he could go kill the Omega. Yeah, which worked, and that's where it should have ended. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he needed to die though. So. To me, there's something about him yeah. going forward, coping with her loss that is that is significant. Right, and that's true to right. the book. Yeah, um, it could be faithful almost. It's it's really <laughs> <laughs> eight o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> I don't know what time it was when he died. Um, th- it's very common for people to go. I like that movie, but the ending sucked. And and I found I think on I was looking on Reddit. There's a Reddit thread all about Edge of Tomorrow, which I'll, okay. put, I'll put in the show notes. And there's one. There's one reviewer. Let me look it up real quick. So really, what you're saying is we need to get a DVD copy, and for our own personal use, we should edit out the scene where they go back one more time. That would be sweet. No, I'm not <laughs> saying that. Be, because so so this is on BadassDigest.com, um, which is I guess they talk about movies and stuff. But the they have a they have a movie reviewer there called Film Crit Hulk, and <laughs> and his. His latest column is Film Crit Hulk Smash, Why the Edge of Tomorrow Ending is Great. So not everybody hates the ending. And he makes a compelling case. Well, not I'm everybody can be right. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> World needs to establish too. Apparently yeah. I can be wrong, so why can't he? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I do encourage you both to read it because I, I found it interesting. And his essentially it boils down to the journey of Major Cage in the book is, is very... Um, Oh, what is it? I, I can't remember if it's Buddhism or Hinduism with uh, Nirvana, trying to achieve Nirvana. Buddhism. Through multiple lives. Through, through karma. Through right? karma. Yeah. Okay. Through, yeah. uh, and reincarnation. Right. And so, Colin, you mentioned that he has this, this good, tremendous arc where he goes from this real jerk 
to being a leader of men and, and kind of sacrificing himself. And so I think he's got a good, he makes a good case that achieving enlightenment, achieving nirvana, you mm. know, means getting your reward. And so I think in that sense, yeah, it does work. Is the reward of saving humanity not enough? Like greedy bastard. No, no. And, and, and <laughs> achieving nirvana, right? I mean, it, it yeah, isn't that, that you die at the end <clears throat> of your um, incarnations and then you're gone forever. Right. At least I don't think it is. But no, you, you ascend to nirvana. Yeah. So, but one, one, one key clue that he says is when he first wakes up uh, after he's been busted down to private, mm-hmm. guy kicks him and says, wake up, maggot. And so, you know, the idea of reincarnation, right, is you start right. as lower life forms and you work oh. your way up. And so I, I thought, yeah, you know what? He's got a case there. I'm not sure it's convincing, uh, but I'm going to put it in the I show see, notes. And yeah. it at least makes you think of the ending slightly differently. But since he achieved enlightenment, he started back out right. as the major. Yeah. So, variant. you know, maybe, okay. maybe, maybe that works. I'm not totally sure. Um, but yeah. I'd, I'd like to go see the movie again without my preconceived notion about somebody needs to get sacrificed at the end. <laughs> right. Um, which they still did get sacrificed, but but yeah, the, I, but I'm kind of with you that that yeah. they got sacrificed. But if in the end they end up alive, then that's right. it's hard to say they were sacrificed. Jackets. Okay. You're going to talk about the jackets again. And how Tom Cruise learned to use them. Awesome, Mike. Right. Okay. So we were on a run one time, and and you guys ganged up on me, <laughs> and and said that that no 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 you're wrong about that. I'm and and we were talking about because you were saying well wait if you go through this loop and you have to have muscle memory right 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 we were arguing about uh, how he learned not necessarily who taught him but as to what learning to be a, a warrior and a fighter meant and there's there's a there's a mental component of it and, and there's a physical component and there's a physical component and we argue that since only his mind went back that you couldn't possibly have the muscle memory and the right. increased right. strength and the muscle mass and all the other things you really need to be a completely successful soldier muscle mass i'm going to agree with you but muscle memory is not really a thing. It's an, okay. I looked it up. So, oh. it, I mean, it is a thing. It's it's. There's a phenomenon of of your your body learns to do tasks by rote autonomously. You know? and, so, and so, muscle memory is it's a name for a phenomenon, but it doesn't involve neurons in the muscles. The neurons are all yeah. upstairs. Yeah. It's just your brain learning to be wired better better to your muscles. It involves a connection as well in the muscles. Because uh, I, I the connection at, is all in the brain. I looked at the same thing. Okay, what I found was muscle memory is memory for muscles rather than memory in muscles. Right. There are no nerve cells or neurons in muscles to speak of. Oh, there are nerve cells. I don't know what. Sensory, but maybe not controlling. I could buy that, sure. Yeah. Um, The interesting thing is, though, the book also says you're wrong on that. The book, (laughs) 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 KG says, my body never changed, but the OS that ran it had seen a total overhaul. I think that says exactly what we said. He became a more mentally disciplined soldier. Mm-hmm. Right. But in the course of doing that, he learned to use the jacket better. Yeah. I mean, so he learned l- to use the axe. L- let, us, let us posit something just for a second. All right. Okay. We, <laughs> we take the same KG, uh-huh. and we have one KG that does not die in battle every time. Mm-hmm. But he wins all of his battles every time, and he trains in exactly the same way. He just doesn't die and get reset every time. Okay. I think at the end, that more muscular KG is going to be a better soldier than the one who has to die and jump back in the same body, who only has operating system changes. KG-2, who doesn't right. die, he gets hardware upgrades. Right. Okay, yeah. 
I'm going to disagree with you. So on, it's a hardware and software upgrade versus just a software upgrade. Sure. No, no and I, I will agree that the soldier who doesn't die but who goes through, let's say, a dozen battles is sure. going to be better than after a dozen loops. We're talking about 100 loops, 200 loops. So the kind of muscle memory that you gain during that, that's what made him t- into such a weapon. Just because, it just in, in a brute, brute force way. Mm-hmm. Um, just because he got, he got to go through that many more times. So it wasn't that he was developing muscles, it was that his brain was learning to use his body and the jacket better. And I would argue that a guy that went through the same amount of time experienced would end up being a better soldier because, again, he gets the hardware and the operating system upgrades. Yeah, it could be. He didn't end up being a bad soldier because he won. And he, right. he beat someone who was similarly trained to him. Right. Who right. had the and same kind of you, upgrades. I'm, I'm going to say, the book actually also says you're right about that. So it says you're wrong and right. Um, because because <laughs> in, be right. in that yes. fight, in that fight at the end between Rita and, and Keiji in the book, um, the reason that he wins, the decisive thing is that she learned to fight the mimics. And he learned to, li- to fight from her, from yes. watching her. She, she learned from watching the mimics. He learned from watching her. So that made him superior that in that gave way. That gave him the ace in the hole, yeah. as it were. Yeah. So, so yeah, the context of, what, of when you're learning matters. Now... I also would argue, though, that, that that motivation for learning because you keep getting killed could also have a factor and even things out. Yeah, although in the movie, it almost feels like you get tired because, you know, he, he broke his leg. He's going to get shot. There, right. There's nothing he can do to stop it. Sure. I think there's a, a numbing effect that could have happened. Yeah. Well, and you definitely see that numbing effect in his attitude toward the rest of his platoon where, you know, he lets the guy get crushed because at some point it's, like, it's futile to try and save these people because I can't even, I can't break out of the loop. Right. And at some right. point he's so numb to them, they drop out of the plot. It's now they just do. him and Rita mm-hmm. trying to get out of the, yeah, the, of the battlefield. Yeah, that's the interesting thing that he pulls them back in at the end and they, and they come with him and, and most of them die. Yeah. Well, I think that's where he realized he couldn't do it by himself, right? Yeah. And maybe it's him having to go through the process of caring about Rita Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to learn about her because you know he can loop and she doesn't, right. and so he can he ask things, mm-hmm. you know, fifty, sixty times <laughs> to try and find out about her because she's very closed mouth. So we're all kind of recommending the movie, but it's definitely mm-hmm. it's definitely a good one. I mean, definitely better than your typical Bayhem. Yes, right. And I mean, it's, it's being well received in terms of critical mm-hmm. response. I think it's like ninety one percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which is really good. Yeah. Um, for a science fiction movie, but it's not oh. blowing anybody out of the water at the box office. It's made back its budget, right. which is which is good. It'd be interesting. I know we haven't done this because we haven't done this for a year, but to yeah. go back in a year and look at because th- this is the newest movie we've ever done. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we had Jurassic Park, right? Billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very possible that the international market and the home market will be yeah. considerably kinder to Edge of Tomorrow right. than a, than other movies might. Yeah, it's had yeah. to mention that earlier. Like, see how this does on Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah. I I yeah. anticipate word of mouth will. Eventually get around on this, and I I, I bet it does mm. well in Blu-ray. Um, yeah. You know, part of the problem was like we mentioned, it went up against the Fault in Our Stars in the yeah. theaters, and that, John, that you kicked his butt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the date crowd all went to that. Um, right, and it was funny because uh, my son and I, timing. my son and I walked out of the movie because we saw it on the day it launched. You know, I think you guys saw it the next day, or yeah, yeah. And, and um, so we we come out of the movie, and there's all these all these ladies with their makeup running and stuff. And my 12-year-old's like, why, why are these ladies crying? I'm like, the fault in our stars, son. <laughs> they, did not, they were not in our movie. They were so happy that Tom got Rita. Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, yeah, I mean, it went up against a juggernaut in that, that first weekend. And I don't know. Yeah, it just seemed like a it's a, it's a lousy title, too. It, it's not evocative of really anything. No. Well, oh, 
So I was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. You know, faithful adaptations. Why couldn't it have been called All You Need Is Kill? And then I went back and I thought, I don't remember why it said why that title came out of the book. I don't remember that being a phrase from any place. I don't remember it being a theme. It is in the book. Okay. I mean, it's not, it's not, a, direct, here, it's not a direct quote. I think Farrell actually gives him that idea. You learn from battle. You, you, need, you need to go, battle oh. and go into battle and kill, and mm-hmm. then kill again. And, and I think and all he you said need something is kill. like that. Yeah. And all you and need is kill. It wasn't phrased in that way. That's a very kind of English uh, rendering. <laughs> Didn't um, we go on a walk where we were like, all you need is kill. Doing Beatles. And then we did like like nine songs and and James was like, oh, yes. oh what <laughs> are you guys we're doing, doing to me? It gets entertaining out there. Yeah, the, the title, I, I... Would All You Need Is Kill have worked as a title? I don't think so. And and I think I think it, American audiences, you know, moms aren't going to let their kids go to a movie that has all that. All You Need, need Is Kill. It sounds like a horror movie almost. You know, I mean, it's, right. it's a great kind of Japanese sounding title. Um, where it sounds like almost English, but not quite. <laughs> so again, if there was a a slightly more faithful Japanese cast adaptation of this, mm-hmm. All You Need Is Kill would be a great title for it. Well, I can't remember if I mentioned it while we were recording or not, but the it's going to be released next month in Japan under the original title. All You Need Is Kill. Yeah. Well, given that it's 10 years old there, that would make total sense. Whereas here in the States where uh, the movie's only four years old, mm-hmm. where there's not a lot of common acceptance of uh, you know, one, science fiction, and two, adapted, <laughs> translated Japanese science fiction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So one other kind of uh, talking point about the movie. You know, it's a Japanese film. Were there any Japanese in the movie? D- does anybody remember any Asian characters whatsoever? No. Nobody in J-Unit. Yeah. Nobody on the general staff. They had staff. token in J-Unit. That's about it. Oh. They, they had one <laughs> person of color. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that seems like an oversight <laughs> to not cast any... Right. Even to have a unit of... Asian soldiers, along right. with the other forces. I yeah, think. I mean, part of it I do get it because it's set in a different location. The movie, or the book is set in Japan. Right. And the book is set in England. So. Right. But but the United Defense Force, maybe all the Japanese people are tied up on the east coast yeah. of. Yeah, of we, Asia. we don't know how the, how the. But I, right. but I thought the implication of the movie was, the aliens had deliberately set this up, to push toward the borders of France, towards England, to lure the humans into fighting them there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean they weren't fighting them in Asia as well. So. True. As fun as going to see the movie as a first release, mm-hmm. you know, that, and, I, and I waited to read the book for it, I think that we're, we're missing some things because we haven't yep. seen like, you know, a director's commentary or sure. other follow-up things that will happen when the Blu-rays and the DVDs are released. Yeah, I would agree. And that, that's, that's one of the differences between doing something like this that's in the theater. Is, right. Yeah, we could go see it a few times, but we're still not going to get that behind-the-scenes kind of, kind of look at it. Or some of the other things where one or another of us has read this book or seen this movie ages ago, right. and we have a history with it. And so we're, we're kind of having to just go from the hip, you know, kind of initial... First reactions. Yeah. Well, um, maybe in a year's time, uh, if we reach a lull, although you know we're certainly not running out of things to re- read and adapt and watch. It's true. Uh, maybe we should come back and look at it a year later and say, now that we've sat on this brand new movie a year and we've read the book again and watched the movie again and seen the behind the scenes and yeah, uh, you know, if you're getting ready to make those releases and you're actually listening to our podcast, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> Tell us more about why the changes were made. Who yeah. made the changes? What was made? I mean, were you targeting an audience? Were you trying to simplify a plot line? Mm-hmm. Are we really missing something that, that we really should, shouldn't be? Yeah. 
Yeah, I wouldn't mind going. I think when it, when it comes out on Blu-ray, right, my son says it's his favorite movie, which he almost <laughs> always says that about whatever movie he's most recently seen. Um, so I think I think this one displaced uh, Captain America 2, actually, as his favorite movie. So we mentioned that the book is quite R-rated, and the movie is not. So right. mm-hmm. you know, in terms of content warning, if you're out there and you have tweens or you know early teen kids, I'd, I'd say the movie is totally watchable. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah depending on your kid. You've got to know your kid. Um, whereas the book, then, maybe not quite so palatable. It, well, so the graphic novel that we read, I didn't think deviated significantly from the book at all. It just it pre- you know, presented things uh, graphically really well. I liked the art. I liked the storytelling. Right. Uh, it didn't really deviate from the, the plot line very much at all. I found it a little hard to follow. I found but that's it a disjointed a bit. The graphic <sighs> novel, to me, yeah. seemed disjointed. Do you read a lot of comics? Yes. Wow. I don't, so I'm just looking at it from from a muggle kind of <laughs> point of view, point where of view. Yes. where it it seemed to kind of jump you know, like leap over lots of parts of the book. I mean, it's not nearly as detailed, obviously, because it's telling the story with art, right? Right. So, and you know, I've said it's an adaptation of the book, and so I don't necessarily yeah. expect it to be the same. Yeah, but and knowing the book certainly helped fill in the gaps, and so maybe right. I'm not looking right. at it I, d- that I just filter, felt that it, it made it made jumps without any transitions anywhere. There was no transitions yeah. when it. Move the storyline around. Mm-hmm. Did it? Did it? Did the book relate the Rita backstory at all? That section of the book. I mean, that whole sort of middle forty pages or so is all about Rita. Yeah, I don't remember the graphic novel actually did that. The graphic novel did it. It did, yeah. but, okay. but very shortly. Very okay. short. I right. was actually thinking of letting my son read the graphic novel, just because. I mean, it still has a little bit of language in it, but it's not nearly as right. overall salty as yeah. the book. Yeah, and and there isn't as much inappropriate humor because there's mention of pornography and, and as you said, right. No spec. No spec. <laughs> no spec. <laughs> yes. I, I just I was looking at my uh, my other notes and I, I noticed my other alternate title for the book was Fifty First Deaths. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that's the interesting thing about the movie is it's not like the concept has never been done before because obviously Groundhog Day, mm-hmm. uh, there was that Daybreak show. Yeah, Stargate um, episode. Right. Uh, right. Anything else uh, we should talk about? All right, and here is our future selves back again to do our rankings, which we normally do that we forgot to do when we're actually recording. So uh, we will start with Colin. I'm going to go uh, book, graphic, novel, movie. Really? Okay. Yes. So movie is last on your list. Wow. Movie is last on my list. Just because I know you're going to trash the graphic novel, so I have to, <laughs> <laughs> I have to move it up just Gotta so it doesn't lose. Um, and yet again, and Colin is wrong again. Right. Yes. Well, okay, you go ahead and go, James. <laughs> I was going to go with... the. Uh, Book, movie, graphic novel. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would agree. I'm, I'm going book, movie, graphic novel. Oh, wow. So. so book, book, book all the way across the board. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough yeah, because I like true. I like the book and the movie a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, the ending of the, right. of the movie, even though you, all the stuff we talked about with Hulk Smash review, uh, still left me yeah. a little cold. And there was stuff in the book that I really, really liked. Suits. So, jackets. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if, if I was recommending it as a parent... Then I'm gonna go movie first, but, but um, yeah, it's way easier to recommend right. the movie or the graphic. I don't remember the graphic novel. The graphic novel still does have it. a bit of language in it, but it's a little more palatable. Okay, right. um, but yeah, it's certainly the the movie is more YA than the book is. So from from my perspective, I'm I'm ranking it on not totally on enjoyment because I, I think I kind of enjoyed the book and the movie about equally, mm-hmm. and and I would like to see the movie again. I would read the book again. I just didn't feel like the graphic novel added that much to the equation. So, so yeah, visualizing everything didn't, didn't bring anything to the table for you. I mean, I liked the art. 
I like the movie a lot. I like the book a lot. The graphic novel, I just kind of went, yeah, it, it looked nice. Yeah. Which I guess is kind of what you want in a graphic novel. But you also want the story to be kind of coherent, and I didn't find it that coherent. So found it very choppy. I found it very choppy. And, and we talked about it, right? There, there were parts in the book that I still do not right. totally understand, and the graphic novel didn't further any of, of those uh, plot yeah. points. So what about you, James? You, you weren't a huge fan of the graphic novel either. No, um, as I said previously, it was it, it appeared very disjointed for me. So then, Colin, you had the movie last. You want to explain your 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 rationale for those rankings? Not that you're wrong. Which Not you that are. I'm wrong, which I am. <laughs> you got that on tape, dang it! <laughs> right. Uh, Although, in defense yes. of the graphic novel, I did like how they visualized the mimics better and the. Suits. I agree. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would agree with that. So yeah. I gotta say. Th- um, the people developing the movie probably did not have the benefit of the graphic novel. I think the graphic novel came out to help. Right. They did have the benefit well, of the novel, though. Yeah, I mean, the, the original novel, novel had, <laughs> yeah. had illustrations, right? So, yeah. And looking at people whose job it is to yeah. visualize these, these things, because I think, I think it would be good for them to learn some things. Because the jackets look right in the graphic novel. Yeah. Right. And there's, you know, sword and axe swinging in the graphic novel. True. And the aliens, like you said, look good in the graphic novel. And the plot is hard to find. I mean, we've talked about how hard it is to adapt a movie from a book because you have to take so much out of it. Mm-hmm. In a graphic novel, while you can bring so much visually in, a lot of times you have to pull out even more. So you you True. get you get the highs and the lows, right? And you get to draw in some stuff to show some angst and some emotion and other things. And but yeah, so I liked it. I liked it better than the movie because it was closer to the book. Okay. And I yeah, <laughs> the whole the whole he gets her in the end thing left you cold. Yeah. But you didn't really yeah. like the way the book ended either, right? I didn't like the way the book ended either. I didn't want him <laughs> to have to kill Rita. I wanted them to go <laughs> off and be, you know, like, you know, right alien fighting buddies. But that's right. that's me. Yeah. Right. Not not a statement about whether that idea was good or not. It's certainly really bold. I so, mean, can you yeah. imagine if Frodo had to kill Sam or if Thor had to kill Iron Man or you know, Robin had to kill right. Batman in order to do to get to the end of the movie? I mean, that would be huge in in yeah. our culture. That's true. So that's now, what I didn't like. Um, you know, Colin likes a good redemption story, TM. And, yes. Um, so, so in the movie, I mean, it is a good redemption story. You're just saying that it, the redemption could have ended with him dying heroically? Yeah, because I okay. think the redemption is the I change in so. his character, not the fact that he gets the girl. Okay. Right. Okay, I think we're pretty much wrapped then, and we will put a bow on this one, and we will turn ourselves back over to our past selves to wrap things up. Oh, my son's favorite thing. I, I I had him tell me what his favorite thing was. He liked yeah. the uh, the jackets of Rita's entourage at the beginning. They had like skulls and stuff on. Oh them. yeah, oh, they yeah. Do they're, look pretty they're, they're like heavy metal yeah. looking right. stuff. So it looks like something that have Gears of War. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and his uh, his other favorite thing was the guy going commando in his So that was pretty funny. So in the show notes, I will I may I, I think I'll put that article about the um, about muscle memory. Just you know, for sure, reading pleasure, and rubbing my nose in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's not. I mean, we talked about it, right. We're we're all right and wrong about it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. So let's. Uh, we'll talk about what we're going to do next. So th- we're, we're on episode nine, which is kind of hard to believe. Yeah. Really, um, that we're still doing this despite nobody listening, and me um, being wrong all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the production value, Colin. <laughs> We have you here just to be wrong. You need um, you need to weigh in more, James, and start playing us off of each other when that happens. Oh, oh you're gonna yeah. take that call and go get him. <laughs> go on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then see, I'll then see we can, can both do. be wrong. You can come up with a third opinion. <laughs> That's right. Um, we'll, we'll do like crossfire. Um, right. 
Yeah. Okay, so next time for episode 10, we're finally going to get to what I consider to be the seminal cheesy movie of my memory, which oh, was yes. Day of the Triffids. Mm. And there's a lot to talk about. That that could be a beefy episode because there's the book, which we all read, and it's a pretty chewy book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the original film, which we haven't... None, I've seen it when I was a kid, but you guys haven't seen it yet. And so hopefully this week or next weekend, we'll, we'll all get to watch it together. Right. And... Then there's the the old BBC, like 1981. 1982. 1982, okay. Miniseries kind of thing, six-hour thing, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And then there's a more recent 2009 one uh, that's also like three or four hours. I don't know how long it is. Three hours. Is it? Okay. Yeah, Yeah, it's a two-episode miniseries with two Grace Scotts. Okay. Um, And so we've got a lot to watch. And and Brian Cox, which I thought was awesome. And Brian Cox, yes. Yeah, that was cool. Even though he was not in the book. Right. No. Well, no, he Don't was. Don't spoil it. I've watched it yet. <laughs> Stop it. Um, so we're going to have a lot to talk about. That could be definitely a a lengthy discussion. So I'll be curious where, True. especially, Colin, where you come down on yes. which adaptation <laughs> you prefer. Mm. Um, we've, uh, we've already guessed. We've made, we've already <laughs> guessed. We've made <laughs> predictions. We already know minutes. what you're going to say, but <laughs> <laughs> that's what we should do. <laughs> James and I will write down what we think Colin will think about this. Um, oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, I mean, I you know, I I like the fact that our panel consists of of multiple opinions on what goes into making a good adaptation. And I I guess on that note, um back to what we're we're talking about. Um I I like Edge of Tomorrow as an adaptation of All You Need Is Kill. It's not particularly faithful. Um the thousand foot view, I think, is pretty much the same. Yeah. Um where it's a soldier who learns to fight them by time looping. I'd even go like 500 foot view. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, because, so, you know, I, I missed, uh, yeah, I must have, like, completely spaced on, like, the love interest between KG and Rita. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there were, there were things I enjoyed in the movie, and there were things I enjoyed more in the book. Yes, I agree. And we never uh, talked about the Disney ending. No, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We did? Yeah. Yeah. Because the... That was James's whole gripe. The about actual the ending. ending is the Disney ending, which I just kind of assumed everybody knew what that was. Okay. But Right. If not, go see the movie, and then you'll know. <laughs> as, a, as opposed to the downer <laughs> ending, which, right. which we were both more on board with. Right. But I can see perspectives on that. that, that I'm like, yeah, yeah. no, I get, I get how yeah. that could mean something that I'm not quite getting. But the fact that right. I'm not quite getting it you know, means they weren't as effective as they could have been right. in, in showing those themes of Eastern I mean, even thought. with the Eastern yeah. themes, there was still no sacrifice. Emily Blunt should not have been alive then he, if he came back and achieved Nirvana himself. Mm. That doesn't mean that right. she achieves nirvana virtue of him. But she's she's the gift. Yeah, but th- I mean, uh, th- no, I think that's his like life the le- is the that's, gift. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. wouldn't pass the Bechdel test, I don't think. No, it wouldn't. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. You get the girl as a prize. No. <laughs> no, that's not how it should work. Right. Um, so for next time, like I said, we're going to be talking about Day, Day of the, the Trippids. It is by John Wyndham. And so I do recommend anybody out there listening to this, you've got a couple weeks to read the book and watch the 1981 BBC series, which is on Hulu right now. Yes. And then the 2009, also BBC miniseries, not as widely available. I actually ended up ordering it from Amazon, and I'm going to donate it to our library so that they have a copy of it. And then there's also an older, I think, 1962, I I could be wrong about that, um, version of it that I don't have a lot of... Memories of, other than, wow, Dad, that's really cheesy. You like this stuff? <laughs> um, so. Uh, and on that note. I think we're done. Are we, are we finished? Once again, thank you for listening. Find us online, uh, pavementpodcast.com, and uh, seek us out if you want to get, get a hold of us. 
then you can find all our social media presence there, and we'd like to hear from you. You could rate us in the iTunes store even. That'd be awesome. Give us a blessing, bud. Blessing. Yes. Yes. All right. So, and until next time, may the road rise up to meet you, and may the book always fall open to where you left off. Thank you. Bye. It's a good cast. It's a clean cast. <laughs> and no pain for the listener. And no, no, all pain. For and the severe listeners. pain for the listeners. Should we just apologize to Emily now? I wish I didn't know you. Okay. I um, gotta go to the bathroom. It's been an eternity. We've never really done one like this one. You mean completely unprepared? No, we've done that. <laughs> Come on! I am not the boss of me. I've tried everything. It doesn't work. We don't have to look so stupid. Let's, we have the technology. Let's, let's sidetrack this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I mean, we'll, we'll go back and I'll, oh, okay. I'll time loop all that. Yeah, okay. Okay. We learned it that time through the loop. Right. Seth is wrong. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Play first, that back. I need to hear that again. <laughs> I'll, put it, I'll put it in the, uh, in, in the blooper reel. It's a new day, people. Yeah, he tries to, he's trying, he's trying, uh, <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> I'm just going to stop trying to talk now. I mean, have you tried all? All the options. The graphic novel just didn't really do anything to me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we need more fodder for the blooper reel. Probably, yeah. That's, dang it, the blooper right. reel was complete, you guys. It was done. Oh, no, no, it's never done. Oh, contraire. Yeah. <laughs>